Cargo Cult is a production of Radio Nemo West. Cargo Cult is all about the movies, books, music, and moments that help shape the lifestyle of not only the trucking industry, but also the American obsession with being on the move. What if something just like jumps out in front of you and you have to stop? Don't. What was that? A Mazda. Host Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn engage in a wild, free-form discussion with folks from both the transportation and entertainment worlds. I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a show that's all about the journey. So far, we're doing fine. Hadn't got a call. And now your hosts, Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn. I thought before we uh, talk about what we talked about last night, and I liked what we talked about last night, that we would talk about us, meaning we, before we begin. So, good to see you. Tell me your name. Justin Wellborn. Uh, And what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm an actor here in Los Angeles. Uh, I also produce a literary show called Right Club Los Angeles. Right at the moment, we are uh, creating some um, new material together. You actually are not from Los Angeles. I'm not. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Hardly anybody's actually from Los Angeles. Everybody kind of comes here. So you made a a cross-country journey to get here in a lot of ways. I did, about a decade ago. And one of the things that you convinced you to actually make that trip was that you actually found some uh, early success in your career in making movies out of Atlanta, correct? Yes. And which movie was that, by the way? Which one really kind of pushed you in the direction over here? I mean, there's, there's got to be a pressure point at some point, Justin, where the world begins to kind of gravitationally pull you out to Los Angeles, where you finally say, I can't do this here anymore. If I actually want to work right. in this industry, I've got to make the move to the place where the industry works. What was it? Yeah, well, we were making independent films in Atlanta and doing independent theater and doing independent film was sort of the same thing. It was a mix of people. Uh, I did an independent film called The Signal that went to Sundance and we were able to sell it to the greater world. And when I came home from that and was laying bricks for a living, I thought that maybe that should change. I had the higher degree. I had the talent. We had these things. And instead of doing something like film and TV part-time, um, it was something I wanted to really jump into. And a year later, the day that the signal came out, um, I was officially uh, cast in one of the final destination movies. And that was, for me, the tipping point that I went, well, this is the universe showing you which way you need to move. You know, obviously you're playing heroes and villains and well, mainly villains. But at the same time, this is this is something that you need to put your energies into because it's every time I had done any other job, I knew that I wasn't doing what I really wanted to do. Any other job, by the way, you mentioned having to lay bricks. You also told me, uh, and by the way, guys, uh, I'm Jimmy Mack of Sirius XM 146 Road Dog Trucking. I host uh, the Dave Nemo Show on Thursdays and Fridays on that channel, along with Dave Nemo Weekend. It's the Weekend 34. What other jobs have you had? I- I'm going someplace with Oh, this. sure. I've had hundreds of jobs as an actor. Uh, it's not only the idea that you have done uh, your profession. As a matter of fact, most of us have had so many jobs it's incalculable um i've done everything from washing dishes uh roofing houses painting uh doing um tile work over an entire summer um i've served coffee i i've done them all one of the things that uh trucking 
which, by the way, I talk about on a regular basis, and acting have in common, and kind of ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. So in the last 20 years, we've got to hear all about the gig economy. Uh, so many, you know that sure. thing that happens yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on Facebook when a, when a pandemic we starts? We just called that working. Yeah. yeah. In, in a pandemic, when, when the infectious disease starts, everybody is suddenly an infectious disease expert uh, during a constitutional crisis. Yeah, everybody knows that, the Constitution. Everybody knows the Constitution. <laughs> I, I, one of the most charming things I found from uh, a number of younger people over the course of the last 20 years is to have them tell me all about the gig economy. And I've often mm. thought that many times a lot of older truckers must like get glazed eyes when listening to people talk about the gig economy. And anybody who's made a living as a professional actor must have glazed eyes hearing about the gig economy because one of the things that acting and trucking have in great deal of common is they're both gig economy driven, even to the point where even if you're working in your profession, even if you're actually a working actor or you're a working truck driver, a successful owner operator, independent authority truck driver. You're still an independent contractor. You're an independent contractor. And all of that is really kind of, it's an amazing connective tissue because the thing we talked about yesterday was putting together a podcast that somehow happens to deal with both movies and trucking and transportation and the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. And one of the things you talked to me about yesterday was we were kind of bouncing around some ideas. We talked about the idea of. Yeah, is this a show about movies and books or video games and culture in general or. Yeah. Is it a is it a a way to use movies as a primer to explain trucking? Is it a way to use trucking movies as a a primer to explain. Or just an entertainment show that we're just talking about things that we enjoy. But. You brought up a really great point that actually made me think of another great point that somebody had made earlier to me. And you said, what I'm really interested in is the journey. Yeah, I want to talk talk about journeys. I want to talk about these travelers, whether it's us through culture or whether it's through your listeners and trucking. Or going from Atlanta to Los Angeles. Absolutely. And And, and that's not my first trip across the country. Of course, you know, I lived in Seattle and and moved from college. I've moved across seas uh, in Thailand and... You know, living in Southeast Asia and then coming back and then, yeah, traveling the country is a very different way than living in one place forever. And so you got me to thinking uh, in regards to taking journeys. And of course, my brain immediately goes to, and we got a couple of producers here this morning who actually, I don't blame them, they roll their eyes because <laughs> who hasn't heard Joseph Campbell's, you know, Hero with a Thousand Faces, A Hero's Journey? There's a regular contributor. Which we haven't heard from since English class. Yeah. There is a regular contributor on our show on Sirius XM, uh, Peter Stark, who is the author of Young Washington, which by the way, if you get a chance, you should check this book out. Young Washington essentially looks at him when he is still a member of the militia and he works for Governor uh, Dimwitty. He is sent out as a land surveyor to kind of survey all of Virginia, which at the time goes all the way into the Ohio Valley. Sure. He's also being given a letter to deliver to the French who actually have begun to kind of move into the Ohio Valley, which is actually part of Virginia. Forget about the fact that it's actually part of the native people's lands, but it's either belonging to the French or the English. Therefore, he's been asked to deliver a letter out there to the French while doing land surveying. And the letter essentially starts the French and Indian War. But one of the things that Peter and I were talking about. when we Special talked delivery. To, special delivery. Here we go. It's really a cool book, too, because it's a logistical book. And one of the best things it does is 
He, in the beginning of the book, explains how many calories a day a horse needs to eat and takes you through what that means. Right. So you, as the trip goes on and the weather gets more brutal and cold, you start counting calories with the horses and whether they have to decide to eat the horses or let one of the horses go. <laughs> go. And it's like all of that. It's a great book. My father's a historian, so that's the kind of thing that I just eat Well, up. Well, Peter, of course, is also an adventurer. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nay. I say nay to that. Thank you very much such a nag um we're gonna go on all morning with this but the really kind of cool thing about it is that peter because he's so steeped in that imaginative kind of sensibility if you go through the book intentionally and unintentionally the hero's journey begins to kind of emerge a lot of the steps of the hero's journey so i thought that if we're going to look at the world of trucking and the world of movies and the world of adventure and the world of journeys that we might actually want to put it through kind of a groovy filter of what it means to tell a story as if you're taking a journey and to kind of have this conversation in regards to both trucking and the movies and culture in general. So I figure in some ways I'll take care of some of the trucking stuff. We'll also have a couple of friends of ours along for the ride. We have contributors on our show on uh, 146 on Road Dog Trucking, who from time to time will drop in and kind of give us bits and pieces of both the history of trucking, but also the wherewithal. Like Peter and Tom Bray. and who, who, Well, yeah, who Tom else? Bray, who um, Dustin who is referred to, is a, a guy from J.J. Keller, a guy named Dean Croak from uh, right. DAT. He is their principal analyst. And, he, and what's really cool about all of these guys, well, Peter's an adventurer, which means he actually practices what he preaches and he goes out there and he does, you know, down the African River or goes into a mountain. My favorite book by him, by the way, and we've actually named his segment off of it, is called The Last Empty Places. It's another really good book you should check out, which is he finds four places. He looks at a map of the U.S. at night and wherever there is no light. From the, the above shot, oh, he goes, yeah. I'm going to travel there and see what that place is all I about. wonder about that all the time he when I'm it. flying back from Atlanta or seeing my parents to Los Angeles and you look out on the great dark and you can see the lights just barely out there and you're like, what is that in between? He went and found out. That's awesome. And what's really funny is that some of the stories are him and his family going on a little trip into where that mm-hmm. place is. And sometimes it's him alone. And on the him alone places, you're really glad it's him alone because it's really brutal stuff. It's like the uh, high deserts of Oregon sure. and the Acadian yeah, yeah, yeah. Forest up in, uh, in, you know, in, in New England. It's some really rough and tumble country. I love that. And, and, and to be fair and, and honest. I don't know a lot about trucking at all. What I've learned, I've learned through my friend Jimmy Mack here, and I'm I'm interested in this journey. What I'm going to be able to bring to this is some of my friends from entertainment industries, some of my friends that are connected to the building of these cultural icons that we enjoy, whether they be books or TV or, or movies. And um, yeah, these are the empty places that we're going to fill in. Right? Well, and what's really cool is that you just said something that kind of sets up part of this project here. You said, I don't know a lot about trucking, but I, I really want to learn. And I think one of the things that might be really kind of fun and informative for our listeners, and I'm really hoping that those people who aren't in the industry, and this, by the way, is for people who are in the industry and people who want to learn about the industry and people who just love movies and telling stories. Right. It's the journey of culture. What has happened Uh, over the last three to four years in particular that has been remarkable is a lot of people, you know, whether they're spending their time in Los Angeles or they're spending their time in Brooklyn or they're spending their time in Atlanta. And look, 
there are people who spend their time in the middle of the country. We have no idea what those people are up to. But a lot of people will sit at home. They'll get on their computer. They'll order their Amazon. They'll, they'll, they'll order things online. It will be delivered, and they're in an end. And many people actually think they're actually reducing their carbon footprint by doing it. By the way, you're, you're not. not. Um, but that being said, it's been interesting because the moment the pandemic started, there seemed to be, okay, so in the late 70s, there is an explosion of movies about trucking. It really begins at the beginning of the 70s, but by the time we get to the end with stuff like, of course, Smokey and the Bandit and Convoy and a host, just go on Amazon and look up trucking. You will be amazed <laughs> at the completely awful Yeah, wonder- it kind of blew our minds uh, exactly how many movies there were and how many <laughs> that you either still had to pay for or they were absolutely free. Absolutely free. All 67 minutes trucking of Trucking heyday. I mean, it just, it's like some really... Some really atrocious stuff is out there and so worth checking out. But we're in this moment now where, like the late 70s uh, during the oil crisis, people have become highly aware of trucking as an industry in a way that they haven't thought about in a couple of decades, maybe three or four decades. And then suddenly you get to the pandemic where it's like, where's my toilet paper? You know? Wait, sure. You know, yeah. where, where where's my basic? We have more connection with our Grubhub drivers and, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the people that pick us up and take us someplace. But we don't really put in. We're, we're wondering why this, why this has been delayed. Why is my toilet paper still not here? Yeah. Why is it still not here tomorrow? We know most of our last mile drivers. We, we have a right. relationship with last our last mile, mile drivers. drivers. That's we, a, that's, we, we know them. And we know those guys. Although I had a really, somebody made a funny comment to me speaking about both movies and trucking. So we're at the National Truck Driving Championships over in Indianapolis. And of course, it's the best of the best in the trucking industry. Now, I don't just mean in regards to their skill set, but in the way they kind of promote the industry. Most of these men and women are remarkable ambassadors. So it doesn't come as a surprise that Federal Express, uh, and UPS and Walmart have a lot of representatives at the championship. So I took a photo of the UPS guys walking into the floor of the convention center to get ready for their turn to kind of drive. I sent it to a friend of mine, and she said, is it just me, or do all the UPS drivers look like a disgruntled band of CIA operatives who are in it for one more score? <laughs> and I thought that was just kind of brilliant. But but I do think that the there's- brown some, the brown Italian job. Exactly. You know, when it absolutely positively has to get dead overnight, you know? Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Um, so we're talking about the idea that trucking, when the pandemic begins, becomes an absolute lifeline for the country, Right. I mean, people begin to realize that along with emergency room doctors, along with firemen and policemen, along with people who actually had to stay on the job out in the world. Yeah, if you were working at home, these guys were keeping you there. They were keeping you there. Yeah, they were keeping you supplied with what it was that you needed to be there to do your work. At the beginning, by the way, of the pandemic, I actually interviewed a General Nicholson, who was in charge of the Marine Expeditionary Force over in Japan and the one in the Holland province in Afghanistan. And he had taken a leadership vice president job with a transportation company right. just to give them rah-rah speeches and help them with their leadership. Sure. The moment this started, the company was like, yeah, no, we need you help on logistics. <laughs> because he figured out how to get toilet paper through the Holland right, province. Right, right. They actually bring we need him, somebody that knows how to organize an army. Who knows how to organize an army and get all this stuff out there. So sweet so people become aware of this. And now we get to a really weird moment where there's a big debate right now in the country about 
history doesn't repeat itself, but right. it certainly echoes, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. So the question is, is what is the echo? Now, for a lot of people who fall on one side of the political arena, they'd really like it to be 1978, 1979, American disgrace, you know, Afghanistan is the Iranian hostage crisis. Uh, the price of gasoline at the pump is, in fact, uh, stagflation and America's on decline. Now, on the other side of the equation, there are other people, though, who want to kind of see it through the filter of hope. Sure. So rather than it being 1978 to 1982, there are other people who want to look at it as 1938 to 1942. And the argument you could make is when the pandemic ended, the real repeat was December 7th, 1941. By December 8th, 1941, somebody had to turn the switch back on the American economy. So an economy that had been in the doldrums for 10 years suddenly gets switched on and every single yeah, supply like trying chain trying to pull that cord on a lawnmower exactly know? it's just going to take a few tries the and once it gets flooded. going it's yeah uh, 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 exactly uh, uh, and, yeah. and and that argument sort of start is beginning to get its legs back under it again as mm -hmm. we enter into a period where gas prices begin to come down the supply chain kinks get uh, worked out a lot of people aren't aware of the fact that we had a very weird inflationary pressure that we've never had before since 1942-43 is we had a supply chain problem Right. We didn't, we had a human infrastructure problem. And that's really kind of a groovy thing if you think about it was that it wasn't the trucks. There were enough truck drivers out there to kind of get all the goods you needed. But if there's nobody to load the trucks. Sure. And here's yeah. something, I'll give you a really weird example. Or so you, offload it from the ship into the truck that needs to go. Exactly. Right. How about this one though? Every time that a grocery store is two to three cashiers short, you are 15 to 20 minutes later leaving there to get to the next appointment you need, which in your own way, you help slow the supply chain down. Boy, I feel that soulfully. So, I mean, and that's kind of the thing. And I just kind of felt like that given my own profession and your profession and the filter of trucking and the idea that the journey has been in many ways constipated over the last year and a half, that there's been a blockage. I, and I was waiting for the word constipation to well, get into it, it this always, show. It always yeah, it, makes it, its it way really into the situation. Does. Speaking of journeys. Speaking <laughs> of journeys. Uh, speaking of movements. Um, but oh. but I, I'm sorry, man. You keep opening yeah, these doors up for do. me. So. Thanks for listening to a preview of this episode of Cargo Cult. Like what you heard? Hear more from Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn exclusively on the SiriusXM app. Subscribe today at SiriusXM.com.